Greetings and welcome to another episode of The Hammer, and umpire podcast. I am your host, Kevin Weber from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan, that has been very cold and rainy most of the spring so far. Uh, it's been a rough one. Been a rough one for a signing, and it's been a rough one when we've been on the baseball fields because we've had some cold and rainy and windy days that we've been out there and some long, tough baseball. Uh, but we're starting to pull through it a little bit. Uh, weather's improving a little bit this week and it's supposed to actually be more seasonal, um, maybe in the 70s, maybe even might touch 80 next week. So looking forward to that as we hit into the second part of our um, high school baseball season. We definitely have had our shortages of um, umpires here. Um, it's been rough for high school baseball games. A lot of one umpires on freshman games, if we can even get those. Some one umpire games on junior varsity games. Um, most of those have been two. And we've had to reschedule games to other days because we don't have enough umpires. Um, and I know that's a situation for many around the country. And it is a true tragedy the way that it's going down um, I, I think athletic departments don't want to believe it and people don't want to believe it but it's there there's just not enough people that are umpiring that uh, want to go through all the stuff that sometimes we have to go through so it's it's tough right now hopefully the numbers will eventually bounce back and get back up but uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to do that so I've been dealing with that it's been pretty stressful lately with that um, but we're we you know we make the best of it as I usually do, I got a few uh, emails, and e I even got a voicemail uh, this time, which I urge any of you to do. If you'd like to, you can do that through the Anchor app and leave me a 60-second or less uh, voice message, and you'll hear one today uh, from Jason Burning uh, from Iowa and his question that he had for me a little bit later in the show. But uh, I got um, a nice email from Scott Ordway, uh, which I will touch on with some issues that he was dealing with as far as... Um, dugouts and uh, teams coming off and on the field in a timely manner and how to deal with coaches asking about judgment calls and such. And uh, Robert Fobian uh, also sent me a message um, and we got some stuff with him on uh, dealing with specific check swings and uh, also dealing with you know the limitations of the two-man umpiring system. So those are my main topics for today. Um, Hopefully you'll get something out of it. And uh, as I always say, I love it when people send me um, feedback and uh, you know email messages to spinalfusion06 at yahoo.com or you can reach me on my Facebook page, uh, The Hammer Podcast. It's very easy to find there. Or, you know, it's a great way to do it real quick um, is leave me that voice message. So sit back and listen to the newest episode of The Hammer an umpire podcast. So I got an email uh, from a longtime listener uh, and contributor, Robert Fobian, um, just soon after my last podcast episode, which I know has been a little bit of time, and he had two items that he was hoping that I would uh, discuss, and I think this is as good a time as any. So the first one is a little bit longer situation. I'll read you what he wrote to me, and um, I'll give you my opinion. He said, um, 
the uncaught third strike with a check swing. That is the situation. He said, I have one of these during a varsity scrimmage this weekend, and I got vapor locked a bit. With two strikes on the batter, the pitch came in on the righty hitter and was way inside. As he bailed out away from the plate, I saw what might have been a swing, and at no time did the batter move towards first. The catcher blocked the pitch to the ground, and it was loose. He quickly picked it up and tagged the batter, as good catchers will do. Kevin, we talk a lot about timing as umpires. Timing's interval we take between the end of a play and when we decide to use our judgment and make the call. I have always felt that an uncalled, uncaught third strike with a check swing is the one call on a baseball field we have to make it as quickly as possible. We don't want to rush the call, but we have to get the call right and adjudicate quickly as there may be additional actions that both the offensive team and the defensive team should have an equal chance at, if possible. On this play in question, all this happened very quickly. I froze while processing all of it and then came up late with a strike mechanic while pointing to the batter with my left index finger and said loudly, yes, he did, and then gave an out mechanic and called the batter out. The batter returned to the dugout and the game resumed without another word. I couldn't tell if that's because it was a scrimmage and the coach just wanted to keep the scrimmage moving along or some combination of me getting the call right and selling the bejesus out of it. What are your tips on both getting this play correct and also umpiring for the ball, as I have frequently heard you say? Um, well, it sounds like you handled it pretty well. Uh, I mean, you can't make a call until you're ready to make a call. you know. And if it does take you um, slightly more time to process it, I think that that's fine as long as you're getting the call correct this play of course is much more difficult i, I assume you're calling uh, balls and strikes here in the scrimmage and you didn't have a partner because i'm sure you would have said so but of course if you're working probably a regular you know varsity baseball game in your area i'm sure you have a partner and um if i get uh, a play like that um especially with nobody on base but um you know with a righty up and it's a tight check swing and i don't know if he went or not, then I'm going to go to my partner right away. I'm not going to wait for the catcher or the coach or somebody to ask me to uh, get help on that or to, you know, go to my partner. I'm just going to do it and see what he has, and uh, I'm going to leave it at that because it's tight. And so, you know, if he's got a swing on it, um, then, you know, I come up with my strike mechanic, and, you know, there you go. Now, as far as um, calling it quickly, I don't think it's never good to call things too quickly. I mean... 99% of the time, that's when we get in trouble is when we call it too quickly. I'd rather have you do it like you did now. Um, there are times, you know, where there's a lot going on in front of you, trying to stay in your slot and make a, a call. Um, the catcher can get in your way. The batter is kind of moving. Um, a lot of things are happening there, um, and sometimes you can get blocked out a little bit on what you're looking at. So I think that you handled that pretty well. But what I suggest in the future is that if you have a partner and you have something like that, then you go to your partner right away, immediately. And then he can, you know, hopefully he's paying good attention. He's a good partner. He comes up quickly with his decision, and we know if the kid has to run or not. Now, the kid not running the first base, that's on him. You know, if, if there's any doubt, he should be going. I mean, you know, just because you maybe didn't call it as quickly as you thought you should have, that doesn't mean that he's, you know, out of the realm of responsibility here and, and shouldn't be going to first base. 
Of course, you know, that makes him looks like, look like he did swing. I understand why guys won't do that, but still, whatever, that's within the rules. So um, that is my suggestion there. Go to your partner, all right? If you're doing it by yourself, you know, scrimmage, there probably is some truth to the fact that he, the coach didn't really, he's not making a big stink about stuff. He's probably just happier out there calling balls and strikes for him. So he probably's not going to say anything, but I mean, he might have in a game. But then again, if they do say something in the game, it's balls and strikes. We don't argue balls and strikes. We give warnings for arguing balls and strikes. Sometimes we eject people for arguing balls and strikes. I had to do that last weekend. Okay? So that's what it is. Right? I think that's a very good question. Speaking of that, um, well, I guess this is a good time to talk about the ejection for balls and strikes. And it's kind of a similar thing here. I had, um, this is a collegiate game. Runners on first and second. Right hand batter up. Um, the defensive team is in the first base dugout. 0-2 pitch, check swing. Very close check swing. Now, in college baseball, if the catcher um, or, or the head coach um, asks you to go get help, you have to. But you can always get help on your own if you, if you are you know unsure. It was a, a very close check swing. I, 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 it wasn't enough for me to get it on my own, but I thought he might have gone. Um, the, it was a, a breaking pitch in the, in the dirt. Okay. So I was tracking it down there. So I didn't get as good a look at the, uh, bat as I would have liked to, uh, because of the way the ball was traveling. So I went to my partner my partner's in C. If you're in C, you know, you basically got to see some bat head getting around there to, to get that. He said, no swing. Came up quickly, said no swing. Well, the defensive team did not like this. And the coach immediately starts storming out of the dugout. Toward the 45 line at first base, he's going to go try to talk to my partner. And I put my hand up for the stop sign, and I said, we are not arguing balls and strikes. This is your warning. If you cross that foul line to try to talk to my partner, I said his name too, I have no choice but to eject you. So he did stop about a foot short of the foul line. And then, quick thinking, which is a bunch of garbage, he said, Oh, well, I'm just going to talk to my pitcher, which was, you know, <laughs> that's not what he's doing, but I'll, I'll give him credit. All right. So I said, I don't think so, but okay. And then I moved over toward the third baseline. And then immediately the pitching coach in the dugout decides to yell out that, you know, he yells that we both missed the call and that was a strike. This is just after I'd given a, a warning, you know, when you give a ball strike warning, it's for everybody, whole team players and coaches so then i ejected him because he's yelling out from the dugout and thinking that he can do that and and you know you don't give any leeway to assistant coaches they don't get that head coaches they get a little bit i, I gave him some leeway i mean as soon as he started storming out of the dugout trying to rush out there to argue a check swing which is balls and strikes i mean i could have ejected him right there but i gave him you know a shot to stop and then you know they were sniping at people all game which is another topic i've got here um coming up from a, a listener question about dealing with those kind of things. All right. Anyway, very good question as usual there. Um, and uh, in my next segment, I will do your second question and just make it two different segments here. Thanks, Robert. All right, Robert's uh, second question that he posed to me was uh, this, and this is what he wrote. When discussing plays and situations that happen in two-man crew games, I frequently hear my senior mentors saying, 
That is a limitation of the two-man system, etc. Kevin, I'm sure you could speak for an hour on the limits of the two-man system. Can you maybe pick three or four key situations where those limits could be exposed and or what to look for leading into a situation or play where either the plate umpire or base umpire uh, should be thinking, okay, there are some limitations here. What could I do to reduce those limitations? So, yeah, th it's true that um, a two-man system has some limitations. And, and the biggest thing it has is fly ball coverage more than anything. Fly ball coverage and plays around first base, I think, are the major things. Okay? Because it is an angle over distance. You know, you're not going to get as close to as many plays, particularly on the bases, as you would in three or four man. And you're not going to get as good a look at like a diving catch or something at the fence or whatever it might be. You're not going to have guys on the line all the time um, as easily uh, in two-man. Um, you know, the plate umpire is usually taking a lot of that responsibility, right, whenever the uh, base umpire is inside. I definitely see, um, you know, there's lots of times you can get straight-lined when you're in B or C. Um, like on a double play or some funky thing. Let's say you got first and third and you're in B and there's a weird, you know, kind of bounce to the um, third baseman and he kind of bobbles it and then he picks it up and then he whips it the first and maybe it's not a very good throw. It's a little bit low and you get some kind of banger. And, you know, the first baseman's, you know, if you can't get the right angle sometimes, is coming straight at you so you can't tell if his foot's off the base or not which your plate umpire should be coming out trying to help you with that if possible. And, you know, you just have some, you know, strange angles that you got to try to work for to get calls there. And you're, you're a little bit farther away sometimes than what you would like to be. So you find yourself working in the, um, in the working area right behind the mound a lot more in um, two-man. You should anyway, all right, just trying to get yourself there and splitting the difference and then moving toward the ball. So that's definitely a limitation, you know, like a pickoff plays. I mean, when you're in B and the guy picks him off or tries to pick a guy off at first base, he's got to really look out, you know. And sometimes you find yourself trying to call um, what's kind of obvious, you know. The ball beats him. It looks like you got a good tag down. Um, usually you try to get that out unless you clearly can see that, you know, he got his hand in or he missed the tag. Then you got to explain that, but you, you can, you know, if somebody comes and asks you about it, you say that's what you had, right? Um, but, uh, you know, you got it. You, you can't be so fine and picky on it. I mean, if you're, if you're in three and four man and you're working first base and you're just, you're sitting there with hands on knees and you're, you know, eight, 10 feet back there in the perfect spot and you can see that back corner right where everything's happening and you're right on top of it. I mean, you just flat out are right where you want to be. And you never can be there when you're working two-man. So that is, like, to me, the biggest limitation is pick plays at first uh, when you're working the field. And, um, you know, I don't think there's that many limitations when you are, when you're the home plate umpire. Yeah, you got to cover a few more bases. You know, you got to get third base three times. And, and you got to help your partner up the line and stuff like that. But otherwise, I think it's fine. The other thing with you know, when you're working two-man, if you're working bases, you know, you can't really work the base that much. You know, you can't get around on, you know, the back side of second base. You know, you're really not supposed to do that at all. 
you really shouldn't do that too often at third base even. I mean, there's times you might be able to get away with it where you move in the foul territory toward the, like the third base coach's box and you get a little bit better view there if there's a throw coming in. But then again, if there ends up being a rundown, you're stuck you know, in foul territory by third base. Uh, hopefully you're a track star and you can get back and, and get that play. But So that's a bit of a gamble. So that's a, a disadvantage as well. But, you know, you can't use that stuff as excuses. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, when when umpiring first started in the major leagues, uh, there was one umpire f- for like the first 15, 20 years of Major League Baseball. One umpire, okay? Did they do some cheating and cut bases and not touch everything and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, sometimes it did. Then they added two. That was a big deal, okay? And it was two umpires for quite a while as well. I mean, it wasn't really until we started getting into the mid to late 30s and into the 40s that they added three. And then it was a while after that before they even added four. So, um, you know, it can be done. If you live in a minor league town, especially a, like a low A kind of town or something like I do here in Grand Rapids, they have two umpires at these baseball games and they do a heck of a job. That's what's taught at the umpire schools. So if you um, are working hard and you know how to run the mechanics and um, you know what you're doing out there and you're working as a team, you can cover everything. You know, it can be done. It's it's more challenging for sure. Um, but really the biggest thing is just getting a guy right there on first base. That would help a lot. There's Because, you know, we have a lot. That, that's where almost, other than at the plate, first base is pretty much where all the other calls are. Most of the time you get some pop-ups and stuff like that. Guys catching them. But, you know, every time a ball is hit on the ground, most of the time it's going to first base more often than not. So that is... um. That is really what you need. I mean, that that's the biggest thing. So you do have to anticipate that. That's why you have to, um, if you're you know a base umpire, you've got to try to get across the diamond through the working area as much as possible to get set and get as close as you can to first base to make calls and try to get a good angle. You've got to be able to uh, you know watch that turn at second base on a double play, but then also get some distance toward first base and get a good angle there. Um, you've got to work on those things. Those are things you need to anticipate. That was part of your question there. So you've got to work on making sure you can get as close and as accurately stationed as you can to first base so you can see what's going on there. Sometimes that's very difficult. So you just do the best you can. And uh, when you know when there's a, it's a tight call or something like that, then make the obvious call. Make Sometimes, you know, you just got to make the call that pretty much everybody thinks should be made. So, you know, the... You find that after a while, if you're trying to be too fine on it, and they they wonder like how you even see it and stuff like that. So, you know, do what you can with that stuff, especially with some of the crazy games we get. You know, I don't care if you're working college baseball too. You get some crazy plays that are going on. There's just crazy stuff going on. So you just got to make sure that uh, you know you call what's expected at times and uh, do what's fair. All right. I don't know. Hopefully, that's a little bit of rambling, I guess. But I think that kind of answers your question there. Um, I think I maybe went over, I don't know if I went over three or four, maybe two or three situations there. And, um, you don't want to also use that at coaches like, well, if we had another umpire out here, we could do that. Well, well, you know, no doubt, man. Of course. Yeah. But then again, do you know how to work the system well? And are you getting the rotations right? Because there's no guarantee there. That's a whole nother, you know, can of worms that you're opening up there. But uh, that doesn't do it. I mean, you're out there to work the system the best you can and work the ball game the best you can for them. So don't make excuses because you don't have another umpire out there and that's why you're missing calls. I mean, that's not good. If I'm a coach, I don't want to hear that. All right? Do what you're supposed to do. 
All right, as always, Robert, thanks for the uh, questions and thanks for being a listener, and I appreciate your feedback um, each time you send it to me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of my most committed listeners, Scott Ordway, sent me an email once again. Thank you, Scott. And he had, uh, well, like three items that he wanted some input on. And he said, one, I had a dugout making a bunch of dog barking and sheep sounds while their team was up in a tie ball game in the seventh inning. I told them that needed to stop. Should I have told them to stop? The game was a little chippy at that point. From some earlier things in the game. Uh, yes, you should tell them to stop that. Okay, we should not be having um, uh, things coming from the dugout that, in some way or another, are directed at the other team, particularly the other team's pitcher, and um, things that are like choreographed. I don't know what level game this was, but it, it, this kind of goes with anything. But particularly now, high school because it's a Point of emphasis, I guess. We don't need choreographed things directed to, um, you know, bench jockey type stuff toward the other team. You need to, um, you can ask the coaches to stop it um, if you'd like, um, but you have every right to ask the team to stop it and tell them that, you know, and give them a bench warning. And if uh, that is a problem, then uh, Hopefully you can pick out one of the culprits and uh, after you give a warning, if they continue to do such things, then you can eject somebody. I mean, yeah, that's the, you know, the end product, I guess, but that's where you would be headed if you needed to do that because I'm sure you could probably have picked half a dozen guys, all right? Coaches allow this stuff. They think that, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, a, it's an intimidation thing. That's what it is. And uh, that's not part of the game. You know, you should beat the team by playing better baseball, not by trying to psych them out by making weird sounds at them and saying rude things to them and things like that. All right. I had this kind of situation uh, earlier this year in a high school game. And um, I, you know, they were, there was a little bit of it going on earlier in the game. I didn't hear all of it. Um, probably should have stopped it earlier. I mean, you got to stop it as soon as you hear it. You know, you can't, like if it's a seven inning game, you can't try to stop it in the sixth inning. If you let it go for six innings, then, you, you know, that's on you, you know. If you heard it in a second inning and you then decide to stop it in the sixth, that's not good umpiring. You, you need to stop it right away. We're not out there to make friends. We're not out there to make enemies either. But we're out there to make the game fair and to um, also not have some animosity between the teams, which can lead to other things like people getting thrown at and stuff like that or a potential fight, right? We don't want any of that stuff because that's, that's a big problem. So you always are within your realm to do that. Now, I had this situation where some teams were making some rude comments toward the pitcher, and I went over and I told them that they need to stop doing that. You know, I, I made sure it was loud enough. It was a very windy day, but I went over there and said that. The head coach didn't like this. He said, well, you can, you can tell me. I said, yeah, I can tell you, but I don't have to. 
And he's like, well, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're going to have energy to him. That's energy. I'm said, that's fine. You can have energy, but not directed at the other team. You know, we're always going to have energy. I have no problem with that. You can have energy. It's just not going to be energy directed at the other team and particularly at the other pitcher. Well, you know, well, I can take that. Well, you can, but I have every right to say something to your team if I hear that coming. It's not like I have to go through the head coach. It's nice if you do, but if they're not taking care of it and he seems to think that that's okay, that is not okay with me, all right? And hopefully not with you too. The problem is we have a lot of umpires in different areas. You probably know this in your area, the guys that don't want to do that. They don't have the courage or confidence, I guess, to go over there and take care of business and stop that stuff. And so teams get away with it, get away with it, and then they finally get to you, and you're the person that doesn't do that because you do what you're supposed to do, and then you're the bad guy. Well, I guess we are, but we need more people to get on board and take care of that stuff because it's Bush League kind of stuff. So don't put up with that. And you did the right thing to say something. And, um, you know, take care of business. That's what you got to do out there, right? All right, second part of your question here was, how do you get a team to take the field more quickly when they're coming out on defense in an effective manner. Some teams move rather slowly. Yes, our baseball games take forever, and this is one of the reasons sometimes. You can, and sometimes I'll say, hustle in, hustle out, or I'll say something like that in certain games, you know, like high school games. I won't really do that in college games. But you can do that as well. Um, you make sure the catcher, the biggest thing is you got to get the catcher and the pitcher out there as quickly as possible, particularly if the catcher was on base or something and getting his stuff on. And you make sure you stick to the number of pitches that they're supposed to be throwing. So eight pitches for a new pitcher or a guy starting the game or whatever, and it's down on the eighth pitch to second base, five pitches for a returning pitcher. And you stick to that. I don't care if the guy's in the field you know, just get out there when they're throwing throwing the ball down. That's on them, okay? So get the pitchers and catchers moving more quickly. College baseball, we have 120 seconds between innings, and we, you know, have a thing that we, you know, hand signal things that we do um, and all that and get them going, but it's usually pretty solid. They don't, they have a time limit for high school baseball that's in the rule book that people don't seem to follow. But uh, the biggest thing is get the pitcher and catcher out there, get them warmed up, and then you're ready to go, Right? So don't worry about any of the other players. I don't care if the first baseman's getting out there and nobody gets a throw over to first base. That's not my problem. I want my pitcher and catcher out there. All right? So that is my suggestion there. And um, and if they're so slow and the catcher's not getting out there or the the team does not get somebody to warm up the catcher, then um, as soon as he's ready, they don't get the five throws if they, you know, if it takes like three minutes, you know, they just, okay, throw it down. That's it. And also make sure that, if the catcher is going slow and the backup guy's in there, he's caught four, wait. Make sure you wait and you you don't let him take another pitch there. He can throw it over to the third baseman or somebody if he wants to and play catch there, but he can't be pitching anymore after that. You just wait for the catcher to get there. Then they get the idea. That's what you get, and we're going to move this along and keep this game moving. All right, and that, that'll really help you a lot. I mean, it's not like they're Major League Baseball players and can take forever to do stuff. That's a good question, though, all right? And then your third and final part of your email says, um, are there any particular phrases or lines that you use with coaches to put a stop to them arguing judgment calls so that they do not persist in their argument or complaining? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, so, I've, you know, a lot of things I've learned, I've learned from other people, so I don't know necessarily what it is, but one of the phrases that I have definitely used a lot and I continue to use is, in my judgment, 
And then I explain something. In my judgment, he was tagged before he got to the base. They can't argue with your judgment. They can not like your judgment. They can think your judgment is wrong. They have every right to think that. Okay? And they probably will. And I'm not trying to convince them otherwise. But in my judgment, this is what I had. And they're going to have to just live with it. Right? And we're not going to argue about it anymore. It's not an argument. That's what I had. So, like, you know, let's say there's some close steal play at second base. They don't know if you just had it tagged out or did you miss the tag or... Did he tag him before he got there? And they come and say, hey, Kevin, what'd you have on that? I had him tagging him before he got there. You had, you had him getting the tag down? Yes, in my judgment, he, he got the tag down. Okay, boom, end of discussion. So start using that in there, all right? You can use that for all kinds of stuff. Obviously, any judgment call. Let's say a batter uh, intentionally gets himself hit by a pitch. He moves his elbow with his little elbow pad on there, gets hit on an 0-2 pitch. Boom, moves it in there. One, they shouldn't be arguing, but they ask it. In my judgment, he hit the ball with his elbow. That's it. We're done, right? <laughs> okay? Because it, it is your judgment. They're not supposed to... When they come out, they should ask if there was a part of the play that they didn't understand and they missed. Like maybe it was a missed tag and that's why he was safe. Or it's a rules question or something like that, right? And they want some clarification on something. That's it. All right? And this is only for the head coach. Because I had a play earlier in the year where I, I called a pickoff at first base. You know, a back pick by the catcher. Ball beat him by a mile. Got the tag down. I called him out. I go back there. Of course, you got this first base coach that thinks he's going to be the head coach and start asking me about judgment calls, which is the surefire way to get me not on your side. And he's like, yeah, I'm tagging him there. Yeah, I'm tagging him on there. I'm there. What part of the arm? Are you the head coach? No. I'm not talking about judgment calls. You coach your team. And that was it. Okay, so well, I can't ask you. No, you can't ask me. You're not the head coach. I don't know who these guys sometimes think they are. But anyway, don't put up with that kind of stuff too. All right? I mean, I'm not going to He tagged them, you know, about an inch above his wrist. And that's why. I'm, whatever, man. I mean, don't even. Yeah, he's in a great spot there. I'd love to be standing where the first base coach is. That'd be great. But, you know, like we say, we talk about the limitations of two, man. It's not. Ball beat him there. Looks like he got tagged down. Everybody in the ballpark thinks he's out, okay, other than maybe the first base coach who's looking at it through his team's eyeglasses anyway, and he thought that maybe he might have got it, slipped his hand in there or something or other. All right, whatever. Uh, you know, they just need to be quiet over there, right? So that's probably my number one thing that I use there is uh, the in my judgment on anything. So just start that out. You listen. Make sure that... Um, you let them ask some question first. If they they might have a legitimate question. Hey, did did he pull his foot? Um, you don't have obstruction on that, do you? You don't have interference on that. That they might be asking something about that. That's all legitimate. No, I did not. In my judgment, he did not interfere interfere with them. Same type of thing. Let's say you have uh, batter batter interferes with a catcher trying to throw a guy out at second base on a steal. In my judgment, he impeded his throw. That's what you have. I mean, they can't they can not like it all they want. And they will. And I've learned over the years that I don't, you know, I'm not out there to try to change their mind and make them think that I got the call right. If I think I got it right and that was the best that I could do, and in, in my judgment, that was the best call I can make, then I'm fine with that. And they're going to have to live with it. Um, I'm sure there's been, you know, lots of calls I've made that somebody didn't really like, but that's okay. You know, that's baseball, right? All right. So I hope that helps you out, Scott, um, for those 
three little questions you had there. And uh, hopefully you can work those things into uh, your umpiring here um, as we move into the summertime, hopefully sometime soon, right? And some good weather. Kevin, Jason Burning from Iowa. Actually recording this on the beach in Mexico, listening to your podcast. But curious of why you like the one part strike three call over the two part strike three call. Um, all the all the people that I have heard talk about it always say we should have a two part. So just re- wondering and curious about your thoughts there. Thank you. Really enjoy the podcast. So there you go. There's a voice message from Jason Burning from Iowa, as you just heard. And I love that, man. That's the first time in a while that I've gotten a voice message. And I urge any of you to send me in a little voice message. You get, um, you got to go to the Anchor app and, and do it on there, which isn't um, too hard to do. I mean, I know you might listen to the podcast on some other format uh, for podcasts. There's lots of them out there. But if you go there, you can... Um, uh, leave a message of 60 seconds or less. And, man, you can say a lot of stuff in 60 seconds, okay? I mean, that was about 30 seconds or so um, that Jason used. And uh, that's, you know, if you don't feel like typing up an email or something like that, just shoot me something like that. I can play it and uh, talk about it. So, anyway, as you heard, Jason's asking about the one-part to two-part strike three call. You know, it's important how you call your strike three. And if you've gone to camps and stuff, sometimes, you know, you're working in the cage with uh, some veteran guys and some guys have been around, you know, maybe some pro guy, maybe some, uh, you know, major league guy, maybe some college world series guy or whoever it might be. Um, or just a guy that's you know, been doing this for a while and they'll let you know what they think of your strike three and how it is, you know, you know, where your hands are, you know, how your voice is, you know, how you step back, you know, or, or do you step a little left or a little right or whatever you're doing. And typically, um, for a long time, uh, the strike three call is kind of a two-part thing. You know, you give like a, some kind of signal like, huh, and then you maybe move back, huh, and you got the other thing going there. But if you start watching pro baseball, particularly, you know, watch some Major League Baseball. I'm sure you're watching the umpires anyway. More guys than not have a one-part strike three call. Just wow, and they just do whatever the motion that they do for their strike three, and they give the voice and inflection on it. Right now, I have a two-part um, strike three call, which I've worked on over the years, and um, I think it's pretty solid. I like it, and people have said that they like it, but I am trying to work into a one-part because I think it looks better, <laughs> okay? I think it looks more forceful, Um Okay, I mean, no, it's not about looking cool, but I do think it looks more cool, <laughs> okay? But I think it looks more, like, emphatic, and um, I don't think it's showing anybody up. I mean, it's just like, boom, I got that strike, you know, right there, and you're confident with it. I think it looks confident, too, and that's always important. So um, I, I I like it. I know that, um, you know, there's always things that are changing like that in umpiring, right? Um, just how we work the weds now, for example, um, on plays at the plate and other bases too, but particularly plays on the plate used to be just, you know, certain baselines extended and such, but that's all changed. So I think that, uh, the one step or one part strike three call looks good. Now, if you want to stick with the two parter, nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine. I might decide to do that myself if I can't train myself to do it. 
the biggest thing for me with any kind of strike call, you know, your regular strike call and your strike three call is it needs to be natural and you, you don't want to think about it. And so if I have to think about it too much to do a one part um, or one step kind of thing, then I'm not going to do it. I got to see if I can train myself to just do it naturally. But um, it might take a it might take a little while. I'm going to do it in some of the high school games I've got coming up because my college season starting to wear and wind down a little bit and see if I can work that in um, over the summer and see what I come up with. If it looks cooler, then that's definitely worth it for me. So anyway, thanks for sending in that voicemail there, Jason. And I urge others to do the same thing in the future anytime they got something on their mind. All right. Well, that's another episode of the Hammer and Umpire Podcast. We can put that one in the books. I appreciate everybody out there that sticks with me to the end of these things. Um, hopefully you got something out of it. And uh, hopefully you also will you know, let me know what you think about it. You know, Send me an email, send me a voicemail, jump on the social media, particularly Facebook or Twitter or something. And those things are in the, the different show notes that you can check out. And um, let me know what you think. And there's some questions that you would like me to give my opinion about. In my judgment, I can tell you what I think about it. <laughs> you can like it or not like it, right? But I'll give you my judgment on things. That's all I've got, right? And I, I try to make the best judgments that I can. That's what we all do on the baseball field, right? But like I said in the uh, podcast title there, I, I'm sure you maybe were wondering about that a little bit. Not everybody can be the Beatles. To me, the Beatles are the greatest rock and roll band ever. Not everybody can be on the top. But you know what? There's a lot of great rock and roll bands that have come through history, right? The Rolling Stones, The Who, you know, whoever you want to pick through time, you know. You too, I don't care who it is, you know. And uh, some of them, you know, have had some other success or maybe they just had one big song or something like that. Um, that's fine, right? Everybody's got to find their niche in this umpiring world and appreciate the things that they have been given and the opportunities that they have and realize that not everybody is going to get everything. I know I'm not going to, and that's just the way it works. But, you know, I've been given some opportunities along the way that I cherish, you know, doing some state finals and stuff in the past. Those have been some great times. I had a chance to work some postseason uh, baseball for uh, college baseball last year. It looks like I'm going to be able to do that a little bit again this year. Um, got a D2 tournament that's coming up that's going to be very exciting to do that uh, hopefully I knock it out on that. I'll talk about that in the future and maybe another uh, opportunity um, for postseason as well that I've heard about but I can't really say anything about until it's after the fact because that's not always the best thing to do, um, particularly on the podcast. And you guys should all be conscious of that too. You don't put the stuff on social media that you're doing. I see people do that with pictures and stuff like they take a picture of a field or something and Hey, I'm here at this field today. Oh, there you go. And I don't know if they're trying to brag or what they're doing. You know, that's only going to get you in trouble. Don't do that stuff, okay? Talk about it after the fact. Be proud of it if you want. You know, the people people that care, they'll know if you did something or not. And you just go out there and do the best job that you can, right? So, uh, as I always say, I'm going to continue doing this because, man, people listen to this. I see my listening numbers. I get um, a good number of listens per episode, and they, they keep going up. So I really do appreciate that. And uh, I, I've worked hard to get this on different platforms. 
um, all the different podcasting things that I know about and uh, to try to promote it a little bit on social media here and there so people can discover it that maybe want to listen to it because it isn't kind of a niche thing, of course, but there's a lot of umpires out there. So, um, you know, it seems like uh, I've kind of expanded it in a pretty good way and, and you know i even get listeners in different parts of the world outside of the out of, out of the united states you know definitely in canada um i get listeners and down mexico but man i get people listening to this in europe and down in australia it's kind of crazy you know so i do appreciate that if I, i'd love to hear some feedback from some of those people in uh, different countries and what they think and how they discovered it and obviously they might speak um um a primary language other than English, you know, and obviously they have some fluency in, in English because they're listening to it because I'm not talking in any other language on here. Uh, so I would love to hear from them and, and see what baseball and umpiring is like in those other countries. That's a, a, a very interesting topic for sure. Anyway, you guys uh, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Um, enjoy, hopefully, the warmer weather that's coming our way. And as always, keep calling strikes.